Your God has a birthday? <laughs> what strange people you are. Maybe you can hum the theme song Won't hold it against you if you get parts wrong While the memory's not too strong There's a piece of you from a time long gone So while these fuzzy warm feelings remain Question we ask is still the same Is a treasure or just plain lame? Is this still good? Hello and welcome back to Is This Still Good? The only podcast with the balls to challenge Shaka Zulu to a fight in the ring Oh shit <laughs> I'm Sage I'm Gavin. And Gavin, what do we actually do on this podcast? Uh, we remove nostalgia goggles and revisit wonderful things from our childhood to see if they're still wonderful. Returning with me is Hilton, and uh, we're talking about uh, a miniseries, uh, a movie, an out-of-time art piece. <laughs> Could you give us a quick summary to catch our audience up on the David Hasselhoff starring Shaka Zulu movie slash series slash thing? Right. Okay. So this movie, uh, Shaka Zulu, The Citadel, or uh, Shaka Zulu, The Last Great Warrior, is a movie that, um, as far as I understand, was produced and shot uh, in the 80s, but did not actually um, come to light until 2001. And this movie, uh, very uh, different from the amazingly and critically acclaimed series about Shaka Zulu, this particular movie actually is a completely fabricated story about the uh, general mastermind Shaka Zulu himself and a lot of the characters in his life. But it's a movie that's made to tell a story that never really happened, that takes the, 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 the king through some events that he never really experienced. Uh, like the transatlantic straight slave trade and a slave revolt and several other, uh, uh, events, uh, and, and kind of sums itself up in this really interesting standoff between Shaka and his people versus the, the oncoming British colonization. It's a really interesting piece just because it is shrouded in, in so much, uh, false information, but yet this is one of the easiest pieces to find when you look up Shaka Zulu. You know, it's something that's easy to watch on in, in streaming platforms, um, whereas the awesome series that was created is is actually uh, a little bit more difficult to find in its entirety. So it, it's it's just it's a really interesting piece um, as it stands as a movie because it was meant to be another mini series, but it was it was then condensed into a movie. Um, but you can see that there's a lot of things about Shaka, this very disjoint project. I want to jump into the ugly part that we left off. How do you feel about the representation of the transatlantic slave trade? So that was something that I, it's hard to say that you appreciate something like slavery, um, but I appreciated how they showed what the slave trade was. And I feel like there was a big motivation factor in getting this produced that had that in there that was like, okay, well, the whole other Shaka Zulu miniseries never showed, like, the slave trade. So, like, we need to do something that shows that in this next Shaka movie. And and so, like, I feel like that was, it feels like the whole movie, his attitude was towards that. Because that's, like, the biggest driving factor in the, in it's, 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 like, more than a third of the movie is the time he spends on this, this, this slave ship and what he sees there and how it changes his attitude towards the Europeans that he was uh, allied with in the beginning. So when they show it, you know, they show him b being captured. They show him being taken to the ship 
and they show him being bolted into the bottom of the ship with several other African people, which is accurate. What I what they did not, you know, which is still difficult even to this day to depict accurately is how tightly yeah. packed African bodies were often put into these places. They, they, the Africans that are in the bottom of this ship is reminiscent of what they call loose pack, quote unquote, loose pack, where is there's room for people to actually have their own little space down there. And as a verse to, to tight pack, where Africans were packed to maximum capacity. And the idea would be that if some of them died on the way, there'd still be plenty left to still sell once they made it to the end of their journey. And so there, there were definitely, the, the rape scene especially was one that, you know, the fact that they put that in the movie, like I said, it has absolutely nothing to do with the real Shaka's life. However, that rape scene is very, very accurate into what was happening on many slave ships. However, I feel though, there's this thing about this scene when they realized when, when, when the, the, the uh, captains, excuse me, Miss Farewell, when she realizes that one of the slaves has been raped and they show that this woman is in very she terrible condition. She dies uh, upon this being like, yeah. So there's um, Karen Allen like says this woman's been raped. Who did it? Everyone just kind of looks at the ground, except for Shaka looks at the person who did it. Still doesn't say anything. And that is enough for David Hasselhoff to step up. But like on top of that, the woman who is raped just falls over and dies. And then they right. throw her off the right. side of the boat, which I mean, you do with the dead body in the ocean, I guess. Well, her role in the movie is, yeah. is done. Gavin. <laughs> right. So, so, so what's crazy about that is that that is more or less accurate of, of the transatlantic um, journey, the middle passage, mm-hmm. especially what we're talking about here. This is, the, this is the middle passage. This is a small part of the transatlantic slave trade. But the middle passage, what they would do is, like I said, these Africans that didn't survive or ones that had been malnourished to the point where they died or they were literally raped beyond being able to stand, these Africans were then discarded into the sea and in, in, in many cases, there's also some times where ships would run out of enough food. They would miscalculate how much food was needed to feed all the Africans on their boat. And they would throw completely live people overboard with um, weights attached to them to sink them to the bottoms of the sea. So it's one of those things where that depiction of what was happening was very accurate. What I don't think is accurate was the actual punishment that they showed for the slaver that um, raped this woman. And also the fact that they didn't show that that guy, that there was a second person. They show a second person. Which I thought was David Hasselhoff at first. Right. On the chin. Right. Right. And, but that's, it's one of the crew. It's one of the other crew members, but they don't show that person being punished. And it's interesting. Just, I think that that whole scene goes to show that, yo, if that lady wasn't there, David Hasselhoff wouldn't have whipped nobody. And it was really only because of her presence and her outcry against it that anything was done at all, which further goes to show that, man, David Hasselhoff's <laughs> character is a piece yeah. of shit well, in this and movie, and her, man. So the, you'd mentioned earlier that, like, Karen Allen's not, like, dist- she's a damsel in distress, but she also is, like, the motivation for anyone to do anything in this movie, it feels like. She's also the reason that Chaka totally, turns around. Totally. It's because they have a dialogue, and he's, like, uh, I actually wrote down, because I did... Some of the lines that he's given are actually pretty good. 
there's uh, I should forgive. And then she goes, isn't that the greatest act of courage? And then he says, how do I bargain with a man who sees me as an animal? And then she goes, by showing them you are not, which is just like so cringy. <laughs> but yeah, right. so she's the right. driving point and, for him walking away and sparing the colony. And so in, in, in essence, in this movie, the Kevin Costner of the Dances <laughs> with Wolves, it comes in the form of Karen Allen. And she is the, you know, white savior, quote unquote, in this movie. Totally. Where her character is is literally the only thing that is keeping everything from going to complete and total shit. As you're looking at just how she behaves, you know, it's just really crazy how they depict her character and they give her all these liberties that she can take. She's like untouchable and she's unharmable. She's invincible in in the sense that she, what she stands for. She I, she stands for the 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 true white ideals yep. that they want to you know to assert in this movie they also shaka magic magically has a blanket to drape over her in that scene that you talked about earlier and i had spent some time trying to figure out where that came from they've been walking for assuming days and then she had, just has like a full comforter that she tucks her in with yeah you know what <laughs> there's some magic I, moments I, in this movie I think that they're suggesting that that animal that they that he killed to feed them that one night when it shows them eating. I think that they're suggesting that he <laughs> made like a blanket a down man. comforter. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, we we do see like Shaka do oh one just unbelievable act of. Uh, I mean, I'm just gonna call it superhuman. That's on the boat uh, where there's been this weird one member of the crew is going to like try to kill the first mate for some act of revenge and Shaka escapes during that. And he just, he twists the neck, killing him instantly, but he clearly twists it like the wrong inch. I wasn't even thinking the wrong way, but it's like an inch or two. And he's just dead. He barely touches. (laughs) He, he barely touches the guy's head. And it's like the guy's neck breaks. He also twists the dude's head from like the dude is looking around him backwards at the left to the left. Sorry. I turned away from the mic to say that. (laughs) (laughs) He, he's looking at Shaka behind him, and then Shaka just straightens his head forward so that he's looking forward again, and the guy collapses. Yeah, it's wonderful. And honestly, de- decades from now, when we've hopefully had like a better Shaka Zulu movie, or at least more movies about this kind of stuff, that's probably going to be the only moment of this entire movie that I remember. <laughs> See, that's the thing to take away from this movie, right? So, so one thing I remembered from this movie was just that his army... The much that, the, as much as they tried to show his army, it just did not add up to what I understood as history. Because when you think fifty thousand warriors, like I know what fifty thousand people looks like from overhead, and it, you know this this ain't it. And and you know, but more than that, there's there's some really interesting things in this movie where it the way that people remember the miniseries as opposed to this particular piece of cinema is really different. People remember the miniseries and have a lot of really positive and powerful um, things to say about Shaka Zulu. In this movie, there's a lot of them painting him, you know, as many of the African cinematic stereotypes go. They not only paint his empire as like tribal and uncivilized in, in many, many ways, but they also, you know, show him as a warlord and how, you know, somebody to be feared. And, you know, and, and, and these are a lot of the things that come with the real Shaka 
any movies that depict Africa in cinema have played on these particular tropes time and time and time again. It seems almost impossible for some producers to greenlight a project that doesn't have them. And this is a really good example of like, yo, a lot of people remember Shaka Zulu. Like, yeah, that's our African King movie. But like, you watch them and it's like, damn, like we can't, there's no way for us to have our own piece without having to have it, you know, kind of tainted by all these other parts of, of, of Eurocentric, you know, influence. And, you know, so in, in that sense, this movie is, is really, it does not, in my opinion, do a good job of, you know, uh, fighting against those stereotypes. It more so enforces them, in my opinion. I think that's a good time to move on to final judgments. And one question I really want to, to keep in mind as we talk about, um, is this still good, uh, is, is this existing doing more good than harm? <laughs> right. <laughs> Didn't get that out the most succinct way. Uh, Gavin, do you want to no, remind us in the I, audience I, I what our... accurate. Well, generally, our, our rating system is, is this still good? Is this better as a memory? Uh, or should this be buried and never spoken of again? And I'm going to go ahead and... So I, I had not heard of this movie. I had not heard of this miniseries that it uh, is a sequel to. And I don't think I remember learning much about Shaka Zulu at all growing up. But I also didn't really pay that much attention to history class. And when I was given the option, I only studied stuff that was uh, post-Civil War. Because my feeling at the time was if history repeats itself, I'm going to catch the later seasons. They're more interesting to me, a little more relatable. <laughs> the technology and music's a lot better. Yeah, I wanted to study the 70s and 60s was like the time period that I latched on to as interesting it's just so much more culturally relevant and to me like you can feel the influence in the things that i love so yeah that's my cheap cop out for not knowing history but i'm gonna go ahead and say this movie probably no one should really talk about like like he sounds like an interesting figure i looked him up afterwards and he seems especially the stuff about living under his rule after his mom died sounds terrifying and the fact that he was killed by his family which is something that happened to a lot of you know if you're dealing with uh monarchies especially ones that tend to go in family lineage like that happens all the time throughout history and that is interesting i feel like when i think of you know the great with quotation marks rulers throughout history most of what i think about is their assassinations <laughs> and um so that's the story that I'm usually told. Like, that's the only thing I know about Caesar. That's the only thing I really know about, <laughs> you know. Right. Um, but yeah, this movie didn't didn't do any justice to anybody, it felt like. Like, there were scenes that we've talked about that are good, and there's some performances that are okay, but nah, this isn't it. I mean, yeah, I'll just echo most of that. I mean... I Except still, for the ignorance. <laughs> I can't. Yeah, well, I know I knew a little bit more about, but I think I've also just always been more interested in history than you have. But you know, Africa, Accurate. with the exception of some whitewashed Egypt stuff, uh, Americans uh, who don't choose to self-educate about this aren't taught about African history. Uh, except how it pertains to European history, like we don't we don't even learn enough about like Arabic and Middle Eastern history to learn about those parts of North Africa and how they how those spheres. I'm getting I'm getting off topic. 
Yeah. Right, now this is relevant. Please continue. I'm Say saying, what you're like, saying, just, brother. Just having it in in the ether, having this movie existing, uh, it might be better to at least for 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 Shaka's brand. Because this isn't a movie that anyone saw, but it existing because it's posters out there. I think this this works better as a movie that no one sees and the name is out there. I feel anything that can perpetuate that and just acknowledge that, like, African civilizations existed, exist, uh, and you can talk about those stories in as as grand terms as any, any European story. I think... That's important, and I think this is not that fucking movie. <laughs> yeah, just just bury it in the ground and You're make, saying this make works more better, better as movies. a DVD cover. I'm saying this works better as a cover, yes. <laughs> I respect it. I respect it. <laughs> so I completely and totally agree, because the cover of this is actually rather cool. You know, it makes it look like, yo, when you see the, color, the cover of this movie, you it think that you got like to watch, epic. like, you know... It makes it look really epic. And it's crazy because that's what I felt when I originally found this in my mom's things. I was like, oh, there's that Shaka Zulu movie everybody talks about. Let me watch this. So, and and I will say this, is that especially after, you know, getting older and learning, like, there's, oh, gosh, there's this whole other miniseries that is not this story. And, oh, snap, like, you know, the real Shaka Zulu never experienced any of the things that are happening in this story. And especially the slavery part, it really, this movie to me feels like extreme propaganda. And because of that, I have like some really serious problems with it. But, you know, when you think back about, you know, cinema and you think about, well, how many fucking times did the the white producers go out of their way to greenlight a movie that is actually about a historical African figure who was a king, like literally just that fact and nothing else attached, but somebody who had kingship. And there's, you know, several, several, several different tribes with several, several hundreds of thousands of years of, of history of kingship. But this is one that is popular amongst modern cin- cinema. So it is in a, in a sense, a pioneer in the fact that it's one of the only ones that's gone out on the limb to do it but they did it so shittily <laughs> and and they and they really tarnished the image and the the message that the original miniseries brought to a lot of people like the original miniseries brought to people like a lot of people walked out of that feeling the same way they did after watching Roots where it was like man that was cool we finally saw like a black king like you watch this and you're like wait huh like you know like <laughs> like where and especially if you know anything about history this is really hard to watch so um, especially, excuse me, when I say that, I mean, especially, particularly Zulu history. Um, if you know anything about the real Shaka Zulu, this is incredibly difficult to watch it, the moment that he gets apprehended and put it into slavery. It's like, okay, I'm like 25 minutes into the movie. I don't know how much of this else is, that I really want to sit through. And then you begin to watch and it gets really graphic. Um, so it's one of those things where this movie, I feel, uh, falls into the category of, you know, it should be buried and never spoke of again. And I think that it uh, it would behoove uh, even the Amazon Prime administrators to replace this immediately with the actual miniseries from 86 
that was a 10-part miniseries that told the factual parts of his life and his interactions with Europeans and his the, the vastness of his empire. I think that that is what would be that would make me feel really good so that when I search, when I'm, when I'm interested in a new subject or a new part of history, one of the first things I do is I look up, okay, what movies have been made about this person? Um, and then when you go to look at that, you know, you see these different things. And for a lot of people, they'll find something like that. And like I say, they'll take it for, for fact. And if without even doing backstory research, and in this case, if you were to do that, it could lead you to some serious misconceptions about a leader in his, uh, you know, in, in his actual life story. So I think it should be buried, never spoke again. And, and when it comes to Shaka Zulu, the only thing when it comes to, you know, theatrically or cinematically, we should only talk about the mini, the miniseries and whatever legal uh, battles that were going around this movie about this particular production, I, um, I'm i actually really sorry that those did not result in <laughs> wow. it being buried <laughs> back way, way back then. It should have never been greenlit from the beginning. I love it because usually the guest unanimous. comes on and is the person who likes the property the most. But this is a very good way to, to cover it. And it's a perfect segue into our next section, which is reboot time. Now, we all obviously want a reboot of this movie. That's just what you got done saying. (laughs) (laughs) We're reviving a canceled undercover police program from the 80s. Oh, it's not a remake. It's a reboot. You see, the guys in charge of this stuff lack creativity. What the fuck is a reboot? So all they do now is recycle shit from the past. We're working on less of a shriekle and and more of a screamake. Expect us all not to notice. I like it. Another! No, let's scrap that. Let's not reboot this property. Let's pitch a Shaka Zulu story and kind of kind of pitch it. I did ask you to do that, right? I'm not completely on the fly. <laughs> no, no, no. I, 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 you definitely mentioned it. And so, okay, if it were me, I would do a, um, a you know, I would take what was done with the original story, with the original miniseries. And I would like, I would, there's a lot of really interesting uh, shooting tactics and techniques and things that they did with that that were, that were very more humanizing for the Zulu people. I would take this movie and I would take a, Zulu, uh, excuse me, a Shaka Zulu story and I would start it literally from when he's born in his entire progress to becoming the leader and then also seeing how vast his, it, like, it really is important to recognize that he was you know, his rise to power in his maintaining of power and his being overthrown by his betrayal by his own half brothers um, and their, you know, transference of power to them in his death. And that actually led to a really huge part of African history where there was a, a, a lot of um, chaos in South Africa because there was not a particular ruling power that could handle all of the different tribes the way that Shaka Zulu was a diplomat and brought them all together. So I would do a really good job of, of showing his military prowess, showing him as a diplomat, showing him being a, all the way to the height of his power. And I don't know if I would even go into his death besides maybe a thing at the his end rise that kind of talks about well. it. You're trying to yeah. get like the whole, the whole life story in like a two, three hour movie? Yeah, he because because you I think that it's really important to show okay, this is how he became the king because he became the king by overthrowing his half brother. He was actually an illegitimate birth and he rose to power with another tribe and took over uh the the Zulu nation. 
and then expanded that Zulu nation with incredible force. And, and with a lot of those military tactics that he learned with that mother tribe. So I think that's a really big part of explaining the real Shaka Zulu story and kind of showing how he went from being an illegitimate child to being, to commanding an, a vast empire. Because most of his story actually is surrounded upon his, his conflict with this other, uh, this rival king, uh, Zuide, I think that that would be the biggest part of the story that I would talk about. I would want to get to that rather quickly and spend the second two uh, parts of the movie, the second two acts of the movie, you know, uh, showing his struggle with him and then triumphing over that particular ruler. And then, you know, showing a, a very, you know, going through the, the decline of his rule, you know, rather shortly after that guy dies. I think that that would be how I would, you know, do the Can story. I put on my... in a not so mini series. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I think he'll yeah. pitch another mini series. I want to put on my producer hat and give you a couple uh, parameters, see if that <laughs> helps narrow it down. Because because sure. I'm going to write you sure, a check yeah, for eighty million dollars to get this movie made. Um, but it's got to be two hours long, and you have to have a white person in it. Those are the. He's got to be in it as long as okay. Brad Pitt was so, in so... Twelve Years a Slave. Yeah. Also, it has to be Brad Pitt. <laughs> so, so I would, I would, okay. So yeah, I would totally, I could, I feel like this biopic could be made where we, at least the, the movie starts with his conflict with his brother. He's already gone through the training and he throw overthrows his brother. So the first part of the movie, it starts with a battle of him overthrowing the brother. Right. And then we go through the, the slow progression of his life and his dealing with this other guy um Zuide and and um and uh uh and then I would show this this if I had to do my my Caucasian character it would be this Henry Francis Finn who is this guy that that uh gives him medical treatment um at a certain part of his life and that then gives agency to how he let the Europeans get a foothold in the empire I think that that's a really important note um because that foothold that he gave the British then became something a lot larger later in time. I think that's really important to go over his relationship with Europeans because it's one of the few where they were asking him for territory. And he was, in essence, there were, there were some other rival tribes that had allied themselves with the European slave traders and were literally you know, helping them to get slaves into the slave trade. So I think it's really important to show him fighting against not only the Europeans, but also against those tribes that allied themselves that way. I think that's really important to depict. So I would make that Henry Francis Finn guy. He would be an important character, but, you know, but not too big. You know, he does a little treatment on Shaka. Shaka has a conversation with him and thinks, oh, you know, maybe these folks are, are okay. They're, 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 they're maybe okay to have a, a, a port in my territory. And kind of that just justifies their presence. But I would not, I would want to do this movie where there was very minimal European presence in his life beyond. Yeah, I think what was there's factual. always a case for um, like putting white people in movies that aren't about white people, as long as you make it clear that this white person is lucky to be a part of this other person's story. Say it, you saying representation matters. Yeah, that is the official stance of this podcast. Yes. <laughs>
Right. Okay. So, so it would be this white person would only be as big as like the white dude yeah. in the new Black Panther movie. That guy from from you know the, the agent that is kind of you know this little right. side yeah. plot yeah, character. You know? in that movie. I'm just gonna say <laughs> he does. I would make him even. I would make him smaller. Than he is that just even. lucky to and be in that story. That character story, actually. Um, that's, how, it's funny. that's how it feels to me. Right. You know it's it, it, it's crazy. A lot of the '90s and early 2000s Black Panther comics had a white character that they spoke through mm-hmm. and told the story Whoa. through. So I under when I saw that guy, I understood his presence. But I'm glad that they didn't do the same thing and give us a Dances with Wolves Black Panther movie because I would have been nuts. Fair. Gavin, do you have a Zulu pitch? Part of my like my education where I came like where I come from. Uh, monarchy is really hard to let just be something that is glowing at all. Yeah. So I would be interested, like the thing, and the thing that like really sets him apart in terms of, you know, cause throughout history, like the, the bigger rulers that I know of, again, they all get assassinated at some point because they've overexerted their power. And like, I kind of noted that that is like most of the stories I've seen, but maybe part of that is because that's kind of interesting. So the thing that like I'd never seen before in the same way is the way that uh, he grieved his mom. Like that is fascinating to me and that you have like such so many people under your charge. And, you know, when you are a monarch and not like in the sense of like, I'm not, I think the royal family in Britain shouldn't be around anymore not saying kill them let's but get like, pulled be, apart as we speak they shouldn't be funded the way they are like they just shouldn't have even the financial power that they have because royalty is just gross for the most part and i know it was a much more common form of government back then but like i i think that would be the interesting thing that i'd want to see is like how royalty works in that big of a system so I guess that's what I would want to see is like they also talk about he ended um, allowing he allowed people to start planting again and stopped murdering people who were getting pregnant um, when when it was brought up to him. Like people voiced their complaints and he did listen is the story. Yeah, he um, there was a particular elder that called him out and told him that he was wrong. And after that day, he um, I forget how long it was after the grieving, but it was after that instance that he actually um abolished so i would kind of want to see a movie following the two of them like shaka reaching like that height of power and losing his mother and the elder seeing this change in the zulu nation and not standing for it and them coming together but like you know that that is kind of the rise and fall that i'd be interested in seeing because that is something that's a story that i haven't seen before at that level of power are you guys ready for this so you know how historically there's always been a black panther like the actual panther no like the black panther the the king of wakanda who's imbued with uh powers for eating that flower i'm at yeah i think that's right so my pitch is shaka zulu versus black panther (laughs) about the war between the Zulu nation and Wakanda in 1820. So you're and taking some liberties. I'm taking a few uh, liberties. 
I am uh, casting Chadwick Boseman as Shaka Zulu, just to make things even more confusing. And we'll put uh, Shuatel Ajea for my favorite actor, whose name I still can't pronounce, as Black Panther. And uh, David Hasselhoff will also be in it. That's my pitch. (laughs) I'm so done. Oh my god. I can't. Like, my head almost literally just exploded all over my computer as you were talking. <laughs> well, then, oh, you have yeah, it. Three, so three pitches. Uh, two, two and a half pitches, maybe? <laughs> uh... <laughs> yeah, that seems right. Two pitches and a spinoff. Okay. Mine would clearly make the most money. I'm just going to throw that out there. Well, <laughs> I don't know, bro. I don't know. Fine, man. I'll write it as a comic book. <laughs> Actually, there you go. Pro- that probably exists. That's got to exist, right? Maybe? No. You're actually probably not wrong. <laughs> there's probably an exaggerated graphic novel version of Shaka Zulu. And if there's not, then this is the time that somebody should take the time to do that. Because it's definitely yeah, something. I was just talking about a Black Panther was... story arc that had Shaka Zulu in it. That has Shaka Zulu in it, yeah. yeah. I don't think we can skip recommendations when we're talking largely about the portrayal of Africa no. in cinema. Uh, uh. Yeah, um, which is something that I found challenging when, even when we were starting to choose to do this movie. You know, I did some searches on just you know movies that feature Africa and, and movies about Africa, and those searches, if you do them. Whoever you are listening right now, go Google that and go look at what pops up. (laughs) There is, you know, a very phenomenally small amount of movies that I think that do service uh, to what Africa actually is and and, and how vast it is. And just to talk about Africa in, in generalizing, just talking about it, it's a continent. Okay, so it's a continent that's bigger than a lot of some of the biggest kingdoms and countries that we have here in the the entire world. And yeah, it's bigger than most continents. You know, in that being said, it's important to recognize how much we gain from Africa and how much Africa is a foundation of so many things that we use around the world. However, when you look up movies of Africa, it is very much depicted as the other or it's very much depicted through the eyes of european characters and there's not it's really it's we're only just i think in the last you know 20 to 30 years seeing any movies that are made about africa that even have a black protagonist it's really kind of saddening too because you know you want to be able to show you know, your young ones, like, okay, this is something that you can watch, which is an Afri- a good depiction of Africa. One of the only, the only Disney movie that exhibits uh, life in Africa is The Lion King. And those people aren't even human. And that's another thing that, that happens in a lot of these movies. Is they, they dehumanize the people, whether that's, you know, making, depicting them as animalistic or just making them animals altogether. I think you're altogether. forgetting about Tarzan, Hilton. Well, in Tarzan, did you it's see been any so black long people? Since I've seen Tarzan, there are no black people in the Tarzan Just movie. Fantastic! <laughs> Jesus Christ! 
if I remember correctly, the only black people that were ever depicted were in the actual television series where there was a nearby tribe. That sounds that right. So what is with. a stronger recommendation of uh, of an African movie-based movie uh, that is a better representation? Goodness, it's it's... Uh, I, I honestly don't really have any, and that's a problem. That's the thing is that there's so many that, I mean, that rep- that show Africa, but, you know, as far as being in a good light or something that was done on a really, you know, big production level, there's there's really not. Um, and and in, in those movies that are done well, the people that are depicted in in the African in the roles that should be a black person are often depicted as Arab or Caucasian, and that is something that is uh, is is a is a huge problem because there are some great movies that are about ancient Egypt, and Egypt is in Africa. For any of our guests that do not uh, know that uh, correctly, that Egypt is a part of the African continent, not um, outside of Africa in uh, the Middle East. So it's something that's interesting that of all of the places that you see that they do love to put on a pedestal as far as African kingdoms. That is the one that they will make a ton of movies about, but not feature black people as as the the, the main characters, which is just a, the, another big slap in the face. So I can honestly say, I, I just, I can't even think of any right now that are that are movies that are depicted in Africa, especially from ancient times that wow. I'm happy yes. with. Well, fair enough. Maybe, maybe we can jog your memory. Yeah, Sage, you and I go, and uh, we'll see if there are, um, there are a lot of great uh, movies that take place in Africa, but I hesitate because a lot of them aren't still like the best depiction. Uh, even like the first thing that pops in my head, there are two movies that were made for Netflix. Uh, Beasts of No Nation, I think, is fantastic. It's still yeah. a movie about child soldiers, and that's still like that's still perpetuates right it doesn't matter how good they do it until that's just one of thousands of african movies like that's just that is a tale about child soldiers and yeah it just perpetuates that and exactly. even the other and there's like a whole go ahead oh sorry so but really quick there's like a whole genre of movies that are that are geared towards depicting africans that way Gosh, I can't remember the movie, the Captain movie with uh, Tom Captain Hanks. Phillips. I cannot remember the name of this movie right yeah, now. Yeah, Sudan. Captain Phillips was one. Um, another one is uh, that I, a movie that I actually, like, I love the movie because of the military stuff going on is Tears of, uh, of the Sun. But I would still not say that that's a good and great depiction of Africa because in that movie you have a ton of African people being slaughtered by each other. Um, and it's once again an African warlord movie. They love to show the African it's, warlord. It's fun to watch, so, unfortunately. Um, yeah, like I think about that with like Lord of War. I at least had <laughs> I at least have one recommendation yeah. that's not based in extreme violence, and that's uh, the Boy Who Harnessed the Wind, uh, which is Shawil Jeffor directs and uh, is also in a story about this really smart kid who figures out to how to save his village with wind electricity. Well, I, I'm going to do two that definitely don't break the uh, the things that we've talked about oh, so also, far. Oh, also, Ernest goes to Africa. <laughs> okay. Well, after that, and I don't see it, I feel as embarrassed. Um, the The two I wanted to mention were, and I haven't seen them in a while, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if they're a little problematic, but like The African Queen, I remember being really good. I don't think there's any black people in it, though. <laughs> that is a movie that like takes place on a boat in an African 
River, if I remember correctly. And it's one of those movies that's like pretty old. And I'm always surprised when older movies are really good. And I just remember the motivations and character development really working well in a movie that's smaller. Because I tend to be drawn to smaller movies. I'm not usually for giant, like, Gladiator to me doesn't, like, it's just not interesting. I just don't care about giant sword and sandal epics. I'd rather see four people on a boat arguing. Like, so that's that movie. (laughs) Right, that was... Yeah, that that movie's 1952, Humphrey Bogart and Catherine Hepburn, just to give people perspective on what he's talking about. And then I also wanted to mention, um, because again, it is uh, an African leader, although a much less positive light is, and I think I was a little disappointed when I actually saw it, but there was still just incredible performances, um, is The Last King of Scotland about Idi Amin. Right, yeah. Which is Forrest Whitaker, who's like one of the best actors ever, and I think watching that's like him, the best I've ever seen him be in that movie. Yeah, and he's um, just truly terrifying as someone who both wants love and affection, and um, has such like strong anger issues and power that. Uh, and he also, you know, he, Idi Amin basically came came to power through, um, in, in a very colonized area. Um, I don't know the history that well, but I know that he had British support and led a coup and took over, is my understanding of it. And he really relished that, at least in the movie, the support of the crown that was given to him. It's, it's actually really kind of sad... <laughs> Um, as an, that as I mentioned a, black a movie with no black people and then for, like one of the more brutal dictators in African history, I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, it's it's one of those things where of all the movies that we have to choose from, that when you look up a list of movies, those two still pop up as what we have as the top 10 to 30 movies about Africa. Now, Africa's be it it, it has a vast history. Africa is the, the, you know, the beginning of human history. Um, We have, you know, anywhere from 30 to 150,000 years of human development in Africa. Um, There are many stories that we have not tapped into. There are many great African leaders that we have not tapped into. But when you go to search for a movie with Africa in the criteria or in the subject matter, you are really only shown... movies that are about the last 100 years and it shows Africa always in a very stereotypical light, whether it's in a very tribal fashion or whether it's in, uh, you know, the warlord or, you know, you see people in poverty. One of the only movies that I can even think of that wasn't in, like incredibly negative uh, uh, recently about Africa was the queen of Katwe. And even that movie, you know, it, it, it's it's not something that is necessarily it's a, it's a great movie about chess and yeah. about you know overcoming this young lady's situation but it's still it's one of those things where when you think about african history when you think about the vast well of knowledge that we can tap into to teach people and to reeducate people about 
what they should know about Africa, because a lot of these stereotypes are still happening and they're being reinforced when you make 30 more movies that are about the same warlord, 30 more movies that show African, you know, tribally. One of the things that I did like about Shaka's movie is that it showed somewhat how coordinated and powerful his armies were. And that's not something that you often see depicted in a positive light, but it would be nice to see an African story from an African directorial perspective. Because I feel like one of the things that we don't get is like the spirit and soul of African people in a lot of these projects and how our struggle and how today really should be reflected in the projects that we're investing our time in. Um, and, and, you know, so a lot of these, these stories that they could tell are just not being told. And when they are being told, they're being told with non-Black people in the leading roles. So Black people themselves can't find agency there. And it's funny because, like, we talked about this, like, in our Gargoyles episode. Like, I felt like Gargoyles was closer to home because the two right. leading characters were Black. You have some stories that are taking place in ancient Africa that are being made about ancient Africans without ancient Africans. And those are stories that we cannot look to in modern day with a modern day eye and say like, you know, so like when, I, when, you, when you watch movies, especially about like ancient Egypt uh, or Kemet, we, these movies are being made without us. But that is not just our culture. That is the most classical period of African culture. That is a, a, a particular period of time where if you are showing black people in those roles, it diminishes entirely the notions that black people were not civilized, the notions that black people did not have science, um, that they did not um, you know, have the foundations of, of modern advanced civilization. When you refuse to make movies about those times before European colonialism, European slavery, and European influence in general, when we make a point not to make those movies, you get a very, very skewed view of what it means to be African and what it means to be an African-American and where we fucking come from. So it's really important to recognize that with that void, we, we are in serious trouble for educating the next generation using these cinematic Absolutely. examples. I really only say all of this to say that when you have all of these life-changing rulers like Mansa Musa. Mansa Musa to this day was the richest human being in all existence. Mansa Musa of Mali. We need to do a movie about him. We need to do a movie about Hannibal Barca, um, who fought against the Romans. We need to do a movie about Sunjata, who was the founder of the Mali Empire. We need to do a movie about Abu Bakari II, who was one of the um, African rulers from Mali who had not one, but two um, documented fleets sent from West Africa to the Americas. There's not a movie about him. Barely anybody knows about that. We need to do a movie about Ramses the Great, who was one of the longest living rulers of African history. There needs to be a movie about Thutmosis III, who was one of the first kings of all time to lead his army into battle. Like, there's all of these pioneering kingdoms in, 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 in different uh, rulers that we have not yet talked about. We need to do a, a movie about Queen Nzinga, who had a really huge part in dealing with the um, incoming slave trade in West Africa. 
and the Queen of Sheba, who is also an African entity. It's just there's so many African queen, kings and queens and kingdoms in general that there is a vast amount of subject matter that we could tap into cinematically. And the refusal for production companies, producers, and investors to do so kind of shows you what the image that they want to keep producing is. I just think it's really, it's an important thing to recognize, especially right now in this particular moment in time, seeing what we're dealing with worldwide with with social and racial injustices everywhere. A lot of that is based on people's understanding of history. And if they're not getting accurate history, then they are gonna continue to think that we as African people, only thing that we have to offer to history is slavery. And that there was nothing in Africa worth talking about prior to that. And that's just not true. And unless we tap into those stories, Absolutely. we won't get that. You know, what, and, um, if, if you yeah. if you could pick one right now, because I, I know we, we've talked about what you, your Shaka movie would be. But like, can you give me like a three sentence pitch of like the movie that you'd like to see most out of maybe those stories you listed? Because I'm, I'm curious. Absolutely. Out of these stories. um Goodness, my my, I'm very close to this one in particular. Is Thutmosis the Third? Thutmosis the Third um, was part of the 18th dynasty in ancient Kemet, which we now know as Egypt. And Thutmosis the Third had to fight against the enemy on, uh, incoming force from the north. And in his rule and during his time, not only was he one of the first kings to actually lead his soldiers into battle at the front, like in the front lines. But he also expanded the empire of Kemet farther north than it had ever been before that time. And I think it's really, that would be an incredible thing to see. And not only that, but like, you know, he was also one of the, he was one Pharaoh in one of the, pretty much the most famous dynasty of ancient Kemet. But he's not a story that we under, that we hear a lot, but this is truly, a warrior king, and to recognize that he's one of the first examples of a warrior king prior to Alexander the Great, several, you know, a couple thousand years ahead of Alexander the Great. So it's like, you know, it's just, I think that it's really important to recognize that story and to recognize that this was a a truly black African man. Uh, Beyond him, I would love to say second, second after that, I would love to say uh, Mansa Musa, just because Mansa Musa was one of the greatest, like I said, the most richest people in the world. If you show African youth and you tell them on a daily basis, hey, I can show you this movie that talks about this black man who was the richest man in the world. A lot of people don't even know that or know that that is even right. possible. But to, to this day in history, there's not another Mansa Musa. There's not been anyone who's been able to exceed his amount of wealth in comparison. That is a movie that needs to be made. And the other one is that I would say out of all of those, Abubakari II. This brother is so incredible in our history. And it's not, uh, it's, it's the fact that it's been documented that he sent these two massive fleets to investigate the rumors that he heard about the Americas. And a lot of the things that we have that's still shrouded in a lot of, um, you know, uh, speculation is whether or not African people had been to the Americans or anybody else had been to the Americas prior to Columbus and had interactions with the Native Americans that were here. And Abu Bakari, although there were several accounts of this possibly happening 
circa 900, 700 BC from a ship coming out of Kemet, there is a for sure two document account, documented accounts of this particular king of Mali sending these two fleets over to the Americas. And Mansa Musa came after him. So it's kind of crazy that you could tell those two stories back to back um, and, and really blow people's minds. Um, and it's, and it's that all one's historical also, fact. None of that is like... Just to jump in, because right. I just finished that chapter of the book that you, that you recommended um, about those Mali voyages. And it's also a really good story of just obsession. So like, there's a very great way to tell that as a small story that still just brings attention to the fact that like yeah not only could people have come from africa to the americas because look at the currents look at all the look at all the it's possible and then you could look at all the it's probable evidence people should know that shit right and and the thing is is that it shows that african people had just as much curiosity about the ocean as european people did and there was a lot of speculation there was a lot of fear but I think that it goes to show even further that this African man, prior to Columbus, who found it by accident, he deliberately sent people to the West to find the Americas and to find what was there. Um, there's, and then on the second voyage, he left with that voyage and was never seen again in Africa. That's a great ending. There's some really powerful things. Right, right? I mean, that's awesome, you know? And then there's also, there's some accounts of this black man arriving in the Americas and in how he was received. And it's really just interesting to see how he fit the descriptions of a lot of uh, the Native American depictions of uh, Quetzalcoatl. Hmm. So it's just really crazy how that, that hit, Abu Bakari is somebody that everybody should know about. And that's just, like I said, it's one of, of many kings. I'm, I'm forgetting if there's anybody listening right now, and they, I'm sure that there's so many people who can be like, but what about so-and-so from, from this place? Like, there's so many amazing African leaders prior to European contact um, it, 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 that are worth Write in your historical about. African um, pitches to stillgoodpod at gmail.com. I was going to say, I was gonna we'll say don't happen. write in, <laughs> uh, write go. the script or book, and, uh, you know, get it out yeah, there. Yeah, that will, uh, that will we, be much more efficient. We, we do not have that power. <laughs> <laughs> we will produce a podcast about it <laughs> all right but yeah man you know um i i will say that i'm i'm really just happy to be alive in these amazing times because even now i've heard rumors of i think michael b jordan working on this uh, on a mansa musa project um with ryan coogler i've also heard some rumors about um, Lakeith Stanfield working on a, a project about Yasuke, who was an African samurai um, in ancient feudal Japan. Like these stories are, are, we're at this really critical point where people are craving this information, but we've been craving it for, for many, many generations. But now it's finally something that can be realized. So if you have a story about a particular leader that you feel like somebody's not getting the right attention and you're not getting the right attention to that particular story. I mean, these are the times to write that story. People want to hear that stuff. Um, and, and it's not just in Africa, but also Africans that traveled around the world. There were a lot of African historical figures in ancient Greece that we don't always talk about. We don't always talk about the African popes, the African emperors of Rome, 
a lot of these people are incredible historical figures that give agency to the to 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 black um, intelligence, and it's really important that we that everyone who has a story to tell that story with accuracy and without a racial agenda. All right, Hilton. Well, thank you for bringing this incredible David Hasselhoff movie to our attention. <laughs> <laughs> Where can we find you on the internet? Um, best place to find me on the internet is my IMDb page. You can see all of my credits there. And you can see some of my most recent activities on my Instagram page, underscore HJDay underscore. Uh, You can still find me at Gavin V. Murray on most things. And uh, yeah. Sage. And I I am at at Hold for Plane on various socials. And there's a website. But like for the time being, this is what I'm doing. Uh, thank you so much again for coming on Hilton. That was a blast, and I'm very excited to edit this. Yeah, thanks so much. <laughs> and I hope that I hope that we that we didn't miss a beat, we man. Because you know, when you're talking about a leader like this, there's a lot of things that go into his life that I, you know, he was he was a whole he was a king. He had so many years of his rule. So you know, this this movie, as in even with our you know, talks about Shaka Zulu, you guys should definitely, whoever's listening, go and do your research on this character and in other African kings and queens, because there's vast history there that will blow your mind to hear about some of the things. All right, listener, that's your call to action. I think we potentially did a better job representing him than the movie did. So uh... (laughs) (laughs) I, I think we did too. And like I said, I think that we made history just now and being some of the very first actual professional critics that's a, to to that's review a this movie, strong, I strong. That, use uh, yeah, of the I have word not been paid on this podcast yet. <laughs> I am going to say it, and I'm going to let that live right, on this. <laughs> well, thank you kindly. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. Lovely talking to you as always, and hopefully, you know, we'll actually see each yeah. other someday soon. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Love you guys. Thank you so much for having me. Truly appreciate you. Love you too. Bye. Is this still good? Is it still good? Is it still good? Is it still good?